Welcome to the podcast version of Let's Kill Twitter, the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Let's Kill Twitter is recorded live and on Zoom, and this week's guest was actor, writer, improviser and voiceover artist, and star of Potted Potter, Brendan Murphy. Brendan chose tweets about the death of James Michael Tyler, who was Gunter from Friends, as Brendan actually plays Gunter in a one-man show. He also celebrated the return of Stathlet's Flats. He brought up the now infamous cement interview between Mike Graham and Insulate Britain activist Cameron Ford on talk radio. And finally, Brendan chose a tweet from comedian Rosie Holt in which she suggests to her detractors that they can just go ahead and mute her. And we discussed whether this was the right way to go. And there you have it. That's the running order for this week. We did just have a little outage towards the end of about 30 seconds when we were discussing Rosie Holt's tweet, the technical gremlins, I'm afraid. But I really hope that that won't spoil your enjoyment of what was a really fun show. Remember to follow us at LKTZoom on Twitter for more updates and information. Eight o'clock and you're watching Let's Kill Twitter with me, Julian Hall. This is the show that aims to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. But fortunately, I don't have to do that lofty task alone. And tonight joining me is the actor and writer, Brendan Murphy. Now, before I introduce Brendan properly, just a little bit of admin. We are now streaming live, hopefully on Twitch, on Facebook Live and on YouTube. All of our shows, including this one, will be available on YouTube. So please do check us out there and give us a subscribe. That would be fantastic. If you want to engage with the show tonight, please do that through our Twitter account, uh, which I've share screened next to me. All oh, points, hands in correct direction. Here it is. Uh, that would be fantastic. You can make comments, ask questions, share your favourite tweets of the week with us all through the Twitter account. I mean, that's the name of the game, isn't it? Twitter. So, And also, I can't be look, bothered to look at YouTube and Facebook for the other comments. <laughs> so, um, without too much further ado, uh, it gives me great pleasure to introduce Brendan to you. Brendan is, as I say, an actor and writer, but also a voiceover artist and an experienced improviser. And as an experienced improviser, he's a member of BBC Radio 1's Battle Axe and was a guest player for Second City and Monkey Toast Players. Also, as one half of the Olivier Award-nominated Potted Potter, Brendan's toured extensively across the US and Canada, including a residency at Bally's Las Vegas, which won Best New Show at the Best of Las Vegas Awards in 2019. Brendan's other live comedy and theatre credits include his solo parody shows Friend, brackets the one with Gunter, so we'll definitely be talking about that tonight, and Buffy Revamped, which we'll also definitely be talking about as a huge fan of both shows. Uh, Friend is currently on tour and available to book now, and the Buffy show will be back next spring. I'm very excited about both of those. And finally, just to mention some of Brendan's screen credits, uh, they include Man vs. B on Netflix, Broadchurch on ITV, and Sky Comedy Shorts on Sky Arts. Please welcome to the Zoom room, Brendan Murphy. Hello. Hello. Hello, how are Hi. you? Hi. <laughs> Wow, what an introduction. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked that one. That was one of my yeah. less verbal diarrhea ones. So we've, we, you're no. the first conversation I've had today, Brendan. Can't you tell? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be one of those, one of those conversations. <laughs> just, just warming up into talking in general. <laughs> totally. Back in the world. I'm still in lockdown. I'm still in my sort of Zoom box lockdown. But you're very much, I mean, I'm not, but sometimes it feels like it. You're very much yeah. back in the world, aren't you? Um, tell I us more. I guess... So, yeah, I mean, uh, getting back on stage was a big thing, you know, for the first time. Um, I did, must have been back in sort of June, the sort of first onstage performance. We were doing uh, my show Friends, the one with Gunther, um, as a, well, we were filming it for streaming. Uh, so we had an audience, but they were all socially distanced and it was a very strange mm. affair. I, did, I didn't feel amazingly comfortable. It was a nice environment. There were lovely people. Lots of people that I knew were there. But um, yeah, now it's been a little while. I've, I went up to Edinburgh Fringe. You know, oh, I, right. I've okay. had a few more um, performances under my belt, so I feel a bit more comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, do you, as a performer, do you feel relatively, I'm just going to share this to properly to Facebook, which is something that Restream should be doing, but don't. 
So let me do that now. And hello, Martin, as well, one of our regular viewers, um, who's just tweeted in. But do you feel um, do you feel okay as a performer now, sort of getting into the sort of the end of the roadmap, roadmap normal time zone, as it were? Um, yeah, do I feel like comfortable? Yeah, you know, I mean, do because we're in some people are still in the kind of slightly limbo frame of mind with how they view the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's kind of mad, obviously. Uh, well, we were all locked down for a year and a half and millions of people died. So it's kind of mad to get your head around that. And yet people are out on the tube and like not wearing masks. It doesn't quite yeah. sit well with me. And then our entire, well, you know, live entertainment relies on... Um, Lots of people gathering in spaces that are, you know, pretty well ventilated, but still it's a lot of people coming and sitting down together. So it does feel strange, especially when performing sort of slightly smaller venues. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's also a necessary step. You know, I, I'm not sure there's there was ever going to be a perfect time to reintroduce these things. And I'm glad from a professional point of view that I've been able to get back on stage and uh, perform to people and um, just be in a room with people, you know, that, that sense of normality that we were lacking for so long. Um, I think it will feel like it, we've properly crossed that line and things are back to normal when... Uh, when we have another bundle, bumfire Edinburgh, probably. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think like Vault Festival and Edinburgh right. Festival, the real litmus test. And and if also with like audience interaction, when like we've had to change so many things with performances as to how close you can go to people. Um, you know, ideally there's no physical interaction, and not that I'm a particularly yeah. handsy yeah. performer, but a lot of things do rely on you being able to sort of get close and uh, talk one on one with someone and. That brings everyone else into the room. Yeah, totally. But and what about the lockdown period itself? Um, did you find that um, creatively advantageous in terms of getting some space to do some writing? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> it was a mixed bag. I sort of went through, um, I think, stages that were quite common with a lot of. Uh, creatives and probably just people in general are thinking ah okay well this is great finally the chance to um do everything that i'd been putting off or telling myself i didn't have enough time to time to finish that novel that i'd started yeah. as well as the stage play and the tv adaptation of the last show i did and all these different things that did not all quite happen that <laughs> but there were developments um and i, I managed to finish one stage show so that's probably that's enough that's, yeah a after a little while i sort of realized that you it was a f absolute madness to try and expect myself to be at my most creative while the world was on fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah the world's been on fire since 2015 is my theory is but um yeah, yeah but but yeah, yeah I, I understand i totally understand what you're saying um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a, an odd time. It's sort of given a given and take away, I suppose, cr sort of creatively. But there has also been a lot of pressure on people to kind of, let alone finish that novel, start it in some cases. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a strange time. I mean, there is a sense of relief that there is a, you know, we have to get back to some sort of managed normality is kind of how I would prefer it. Um, you know, I mean, you, yeah. you mentioned masks, and I'm always <clears> actually really impressed by the number of people on the tube carriages that I go on but still are wearing them it's actually worse on the oh yeah seems to be worse on the uh, overground trains I feel but there you go um that's a, yeah a slight... it's it's I mean hey it, I, I it's good that people are feeling like they can return to normality and I, I wouldn't ever sort of blame people for wanting mm. to do and also there's very confused messaging but hey what can you do there's still a little bit of anger that burns inside me thinking oh you think you know better than tfl do you <laughs> <laughs> well i mean sometimes you know sometimes perhaps we do know better than tfl but uh, yeah. know, when is yeah. it fair rise anyway uh, yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean <laughs> but let's not get into the culture wars too early no of course not <laughs> um so what about your life well, good segue though so your life online what um are you 
what do you think about all the sort of the main uh, sort of uh, channels? Obviously, we're we're going to show about Twitter, but you know, probably feed, feel free to uh, feed in about Insta and uh, Meta and uh, in, oh, hang on, Insta Meta and what's the other one that I should be mentioning? Have I lost one? Um, Have I missed what, one? TikTok? Out? Yeah, well, or um, anything like that, really. Maybe. I uh, sort of. I, I have a um, not a love hate relationship. I, I just like I wish I was better. I think that's it. Ultimately, I am annoyed that I'm not better at social media than I am. Um, and I, I go through phases of thinking, oh yeah, I'll I'll just tweet every day. I'm just in like just one funny thing every day because it is yeah, rewarding yeah, and yeah. It, it's kind of setting yourself a little deadline and uh, and I like the interaction. That's fun. But then I'll also fall off the cliff and just be like, oh, God. It's so funny you say, well, I wish it could be well, better, because most people say that about their, their lives generally, rather yeah. than saying, oh, I wish it could be better on social <laughs> But I do, I do totally understand that. And I don't, I mean, did you stick to that, I'll tweet one thing a day or, or not? No, not at all. I mean, I, I think... I think I've found that my relationship with like posting social media tends to be if, if I'm out on tour or something, if I'm not interacting regularly with friends, then I will turn to the, uh, the online friendship, the illusion of friendship um, in order to cope. So if you see me tweeting and posting a lot, that means I'm not doing okay. Yeah. That's, Please feel okay. free to step in and check that I'm okay. Oh, uh, that's interesting, because I, I actually tweeted twice today, which is sort of unheard of for me. Um, <laughs> and the reason being is because the clocks are changing and I'm just going absolutely sort of bonkers because I hate it. Well, it, it's different when you're promoting stuff as well. I, I think, you know, you've got to let people know. Otherwise, how how would they know to tune in? And more often than not, people people always contact me after I've done a show or whatever it is and say, Oh, I didn't know. What did you tell me? And I'm like, okay, well, Have you... maybe that is partly my fault. <laughs> Do you find, I mean, are you one of those people that prefers Insta cause it's a bit sort of allegedly cuddlier or. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess there's less sort of direct conversation, isn't it? You just sort of post a thing. I, I like the, um, yeah, I, I suppose the version of myself I can be on there. Um, but I, I haven't, I, what I'd really like, what I admire in, uh, other people, uh, in terms of their social media presence is the sort of abandon, the, the absolute carefree nature that some people will post with. I think, oh, that's great. I'm way too, uh, concerned about how I'm likely to be interpreted. Okay. Which is kind of interesting from an artist's point of view, because in a way you, you feel like you might have broken that sort of uh in a sense you'd think you'd think i would be able to get past it it's mad because it also um it i think it somewhat lies on this idea that anyone cares what i have to say yeah, yeah. and i think oh my god i'm gonna be strung up for thinking my thoughts but ultimately people are I think more concerned with what they're up to. I suppose, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a tricky one. You've got to obviously manage as, as much as you can say, "Oh, a performer, I should be sort of liberated on Twitter." You still want to manage the brand, haven't you? So, yeah, you know, and, and if there's anything that's kind of off message, as it were, it, it's a bit weird, really, because you can kind of slightly revolve your. I mean, unless you have multiple Twitter accounts, you see, that's where I think multiple Twitter accounts and possibly anonymous ones. Mm. I know it's all kind of anonymous bots are bad, but if you want yeah. to, if a person wanted to basically uh, show different sides of their personality and they have to sort of be mindful of, am I doing this through the prism of work, <coughs> of work or, yeah. uh, or whatever it is, then you almost have to have multiple accounts unless you're incredibly, like, unless it's basically, well, LinkedIn is for work, Twitter is for whatever it is, you know, and Insta is for pictures of my meals or something. But yeah, it, it, absolutely. Is there anything that in uh, in terms of sort of engagements and that's with the Twitter, Facebook or Insta that that stick out in your mind as either being actually quite positive or, or sort of off-putting? Um, is it resonant? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, it's, Obviously, I see a huge amount of benefit for it. You've got this sort of personal social interaction, which is quite nice. 
because um, sometimes you get to meet a different community that you wouldn't otherwise naturally get on board with, or you get to sort of join in other sort of fun online events with people. Um, but they, I, I do think I get caught up a bit too much in this sense of like, what is your sort of online self? And um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the more political side of things can be a bit of a curveball because uh, it, it feels like if you uh, volunteer an opinion, um, that, and if it's a, a just one mm. that you actually care about, but you would hope is also kind of common sense. For example, racism is bad. Mm. Um, that is something I, I believe. I think hopefully most people believe that. Um, but then you see people like posting saying racism is bad. And I I sort of think like, yeah, I, I know this, but who is is it performative? Are you looking for, is that, uh, I think, sort of, you see, if it's a Pierre, we had Pierre Novelli on last week, and he was yeah. talking about memes in the sense of, like, there were certain phrases, like, I can't stop thinking about was one of his, uh, that's how he's from Touch the Nerve, I can't stop thinking yeah. about was one of them, but he just thought, you know what, this is kind of slightly uh, sort of devaluing um, certain emotional responses, not necessarily, but on, on race, uh, and there's all sorts of ways that, people express how they are not racist or how other people should not be racist. I mean, there's a, there's a lot we could talk about there. But when it comes yeah. to observations, I don't know, about the government or whatever it is, it's like, I can't stop looking at this. I can't stop thinking about this. And then we talked about emojis, which were kind of like the crying your eyes out emoji, which is like the highest state of laughter that you could ever yeah. reach. But people seem to reach it at least twice a day now. They throw it around. It's, I suppose, like the, uh, the new version of a... I mean, an LOL, sure, laugh out loud. That could be anything. Yeah. We don't know what level we're talking. A ruffle, rarely used these days. Very the right. rolling on the floor laughing, that is, on, on MSN Messenger, that would get dropped. Yeah, that's got, that's got, a, bit, that's got a little bit, oh, I quite like that one, um, which I mean, <laughs> which presumes that the, the band uh, LMFAO will have to change their name, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. all of their asses are still attached. Totally. Martin has just tweeted, what have you tweeted, Martin? Uh, LKT is good, but have you seen, which is another another meme. So we talked about sex, sex is good, but have you, you know, I mean... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Classic. It is uh, it is one of those things. The I, I love memes, and there's something about, um, like, you have to have seen a few to understand the next one. You have to have seen, like series one to three of memes in order to understand the new memes coming out <laughs> yeah yeah you've got to go back to the stuff is a nightmare for anyone that's like just joining the internet now it, well, they're just going to be confused for a long time i'm wondering some of the visual ones though like the what the one i call the head turner which is the, i haven't seen it for a while actually but the guy with the girl and then he's turning to look at the other girl that seems like classic, really. a classic really isn't it um, I that's going down in the history books there, there, there should be like a rock and roll meme hall of fame <laughs> a rock and roll hall and of they fame. just get inducted and people are like yeah okay that was a big deal yeah I don't want to see I don't ever want to see that uh, go and I've got a very high tolerance of uh, of, re <clears throat> of repeats uh, as someone who uh, uh, watches still watches Friends every day Brendan uh, I've got oh, a very yeah. high tolerance sure. of that um, now I'm wondering whether we should use that as the obvious segue. Um, I think we should because we can talk about uh, Buffy and Halloween. But let's let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Friends first. Now, obviously, um, uh, I arranged for you to be on the show eight ages ago. It was in my diary, and then stupidly didn't look at my own diary. But thank goodness you're still free. And then, obviously, in between that time, James and Michael Tyler passed away. Um, so this is the Hollywood Reporter reporting it. James Michael Tyler, best known for playing Guns on Friends, has passed away at age 59 after a battle with prostate cancer. Um, so, I mean, I think it was... We knew that he was ill, didn't we? Um, yeah. I think when the um, special was going on, he obviously did that remotely and, and what have you. And he'd been campaigning on prostate cancer, so he'd made like everyone aware, hadn't he? Yeah, I think... Um... I believe the situation was he 
had been diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer when he uh, was in 2018. So they unfortunately caught it quite late. Um, but he didn't sort of go public, as it were, about that until uh, after the Friends reunion. So I, I think his publicists and, you know, yeah, a, a few people stuff. connected to him knew. But he was quoted as saying something like he didn't want to he didn't want to be a downer to the fans um that like oh gunther's got cancer or anything like that so <clears throat> which i think is totally understandable um because the performance and the character that he gave to the world although a, a minor character in the show itself is still like a huge global franchise there's people all over the world who know who gunther was they know who james michael yeah. tyler was and you know has a, a place in their heart um no absolutely and, and when did you when did your show hatch when did this idea hatch to do the one man gunther show um it was probably it was probably in, um, I want to say 20, probably, yeah, 2018. So I was on tour doing a show called Potted Potter, which is all, uh, yeah. well, the, the, the whole, <laughs> the whole oeuvre, Harry Potter story, yeah. the whole Hogwarts story. Um, and that it was a, a load of fun. And while we we're on tour, it's just a two man show. One guy plays Harry, I play everyone else. That's the thing. Written by uh, Dan and Jeff, who have done a whole bunch of... Uh, Dan Clarkson and Jeff Turner, they've done a bunch of D- potted Dan Clarkson, parody. Um, that the stand, not da- uh, was he stand-up, Dan Clarkson? No. no um, he, he's done... He's a comedy writer. He's done uh, a fair bit of uh, TV bits yeah, and Yeah, certainly the name rings of um, But writes a lot of um, parodies. Uh, stage stage adaptations and things like that. But while while we're on tour, um, I was watching a lot of Friends because we were away in the States for many months at a time. And there's something really familiar about it, something quite reassuring about it. You can put it on in any order. Yeah. And it's funny and you, it's nostalgic. Um I mean, and it's it like putting on a fire. As far as I, it, it's like putting on the fire. It's like you come home yeah. and you know. I mean, I because I've watched it so many times before. I don't really have to pay that much attention. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something about the colours that are very warming as well. The the whole thing. It's um, it, it doesn't really challenge you. It's. I mean, yeah. It's it's good, well written. Yeah. Um, the. Actors do a phenomenal job, just so well cast. Um, and although there are some like very obvious things that um, on rewatching in 2021 are kind of absurd, like the uh, fact that it's so white, the fact yeah. that I mean, there are. I think that was, it was discussed <clears throat> at the time. I mean, the thing is, I, I think this general, well, a, the younger generation, whichever generation I'm talking about, is not millennials anymore, but there are a, there's a swathe of people, and I think this kind of backlash to Friends did get a bit overhyped, because I'm amazed by how many younger people still watch it. I'm very pleased oh, yeah. about it. But, I mean, actually, we were we were aware of this at the time. It did get flack at the time. There were issues. I mean, putting the... Um, non-white characters in sort of positions of, of power was a kind of a very sort of uh, uh, a very kind of uh, not wholly satisfying way of balancing things but that's that's essentially you know what happened in in certain episodes but yeah I mean it, it yeah. was it was sort of deficient I think in that respect it, it certainly wasn't unique to the show it seems to be uh, something that was the yeah. case in a lot of not that that makes it okay but Obviously, looking back now, we go, well, it's it's New York. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. Well, um, well, actually, it's really interesting you say that, because also two things, you've, as you're talking, you just remind me that there were some, you know, uh, there were black sitcoms uh, around that time that were massive, you know, obviously, you know, coffee yeah. show, whatever, but they started before that. But, um, I mean, there were massive, uh, we watched black sitcoms, but also... I mean, I'm not sure about this, but New York sort of 80s, 90s, I know that friends would come back and they would say to me, wow, it's really not like London because everyone seems to kind of really um, socialise within their sort of 
uh, their own yeah. group, as it were. So I, I don't know. But of course, it's made in L.A. So, I mean, you know, you go yeah. bigger. But yeah, I, I suppose you could argue that like what they're meant to be in like the West Village yeah. or something, <laughs> which is a kind of. Hipster, but then, prices alone just uh, make it sort of yeah. slightly laughable. But yeah. if you if you're looking for plot holes, oh, um, yeah, then fine. no shortage. Um, but then there's also loads of things that they did, like I mean, so infinitely well. And what I, I try and do in my show is, um, well, obviously the the uh, the idea is it's all uh, 236 episodes told in just over an hour through the eyes of Gunther. Um, as obviously made famous by James Michael Tyler. Um, and, uh, we, uh, you know, pull up some of those things. It's a loving parody. We're sort of highlighting uh, and poking fun at some of the things that they they missed out or uh, perhaps didn't play quite how they would be played were this show to be made now. So is it like, do you tell it as if he's kind of reading the journal of the last 10 years almost? Um, well, the idea is that we sort of open on um, Gunther on the night of the final episode, May 6th, 2004, and they, the gang have just left. You know, they've just gone, and he's trying to find out uh, where his friends were, obviously as the seventh friend. Um, Brilliant. So he revisits his diaries. He goes back. It's a kind of gumshoe approach. Right. Um yeah, which is uh, very silly. so loving. Yeah, it is. It is good, and and it's it's been a, it's been a bit of a weird week, obviously, knowing um, that uh, that he's died. Yeah. Um, you know, fifty nine. That's oh, well, no age. I know. Just reading it out, just reminding myself how young he was is insane. Yeah, and, and you had some media interest in 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 you, obviously, because of. Uh, James Michael Tyler passing because of doing the Gunter show, didn't you? I think you appeared on a few uh, shows uh, talking about it. Yeah, I'd, I'd sort of... Um, well, we'd been sort of doing a few promo spots uh, on the lead-up to uh, Edinburgh that we did a run there over the very strange Lost Fringe that took place over August. Uh, and then also I've got some shows coming up next week and uh, well, the, over the next three weeks... So, um, yeah, I was on the radio just last month and then obviously all this happened. So all those same people phoned up again and said, oh, do right. you mind yeah. coming on to have a chat? Which I didn't mind at all. I, you know, I think he's a really interesting guy. And from everything that I've seen and read, he's just been universally loved. And it would be it would be so easy for him to have become just a terrible Hollywood yeah person yeah, yeah. um but that really really wasn't the case um it, it does feel a little bit strange because obviously i'm plugging my show and there's a, a part of me that's like i know i'm only on those you know radio shows to because i've got a show coming up yeah. but um from like the outpouring in general from fans of, of friends it seems like people really, really did love him. And I, I think um, that's that's kind of the best send-off you could kind of hope for. Yeah. As a, as a I mean, that's true. It's like people can't look at your show and go, oh, too soon, because it was a show that pre-existed, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not so much about, um, you know, James, the the actor. It's, it's effectively a story of a super fan yeah. who is, uh, you know, basically based on me uh who wants to relive the whole story who wants to um revisit it and sort of retell it through the eyes of his favorite character yeah it just sounds so brilliant i mean, can't wait to to see it properly um i mean and it is a, essentially it's a very loving tribute i mean the gunter character is quite incredible really um because it's, it's really quite a sort of um it's a sort of holding his unrequited love for as long as he did. Um, and it's, there is almost a kind of sort of seething, brooding presence there. And some of the things that are around, you know, quite almost quite sinister, but it's done in such a, it's done in such a brilliant way um, yeah. to, to carry that off. Absolutely. And um, 
it's it's interesting because I, I mean in the past people have sort of said oh well you know he's not like they've sort of not considered him um on par with the other main cast uh but if, if you th- it's I can only tell you from my own experience, it is so much harder to deliver a line that is like one word or two words than it is if you've got a couple of pages of dialogue. Because you you just, you worry about how am I going to say, you you sort of reduce it to the syllables. How am I going to perform this uh, while also obviously being natural and hit the, you know, have the comic timing. um, It's true, you've got to go from a standing star really, haven't you, for that line? Exactly, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the whole rhythm's just got to be un, uh, you know, not displaced by that delivery. So, yeah, that's brilliant. Well, I mean, it, it's so sad. I mean, as you say, 59 is absolutely no age. And I think, you know, I mean, the, the show offers an opportunity to sort of pay homage, not just to the show, but to the character and, you know, as well, which is really nice. Yeah, we'll be doing, um, we're raising some money as well for uh, Prostate Cancer UK, so <clears throat> obviously, I think basically from his diagnosis uh, onwards, uh, James became a huge advocate um, for the Prostate uh, Cancer Foundation in the US um, and raised a load of money for them um, as well as awareness. So we're hoping to just follow um, and hopefully make a, a bit of money for them yeah, over the next few weeks, certainly. Oh, that's fantastic. So let's um, let's bring it up to date. Let's do the sort of comedy, uh, well, the, the sitcom ones back to back. Let's bring things up to date uh, now with uh, with Stathlet's flat. So this is Channel Four oh, yeah. tweet. It's just basically announcing multi BAFTA award winning Stathlet's flats is back on your screens Tuesday, ten fifteen p.m. on Channel Four. All episodes available after on all four. So was this Tuesday the first episode of the new series? Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, series three. Series um, three, I, is it now? Goodness, right. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've been they've been busy. Yeah. Um, I, I when I was picking like tweets, I I wasn't sure. I I feel like they're quite. I I, I don't know. I was like, ah, oh, these are just very matter of fact. But I wanted to talk about this particular subject, yeah. um, because I love Stanley's <laughs> flats. I I just think it's one of the funniest things uh, on TV. Um, just the writing, the performance, it's, it feels like, I mean, Jamie Dimitri has just come up with one of the best um, British uh, sitcom characters since um, oh, um, uh, Alan Partridge. Yeah, okay, that's no, yeah. small, uh, no small kudos there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think it's, yeah, just a, such a a wonderful, strange, funny, endearing uh, show. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I've got to, I mean, this is sort of I'll be kicked out of the comedy community, but got us. I've not watched it properly. I watched a bit uh, the other night, and I need to sort of get into it a bit more. Um, i was sort of really interested on. Uh, so uh, I, I'm a slavish watcher of Jeremy Vine's Channel Five show, uh, which uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's how I get all my news, sadly. And um, all it's, it's like watching Friends for me. All the all the panelists have become my extended family. But um, this yeah. week on their Friday television sort of catch up, uh, Staff Let's Flat was it this week or last week? But anyway, Staff Let's Flats came mm. up, and um, I can't remember. I know I think it was Jeremy Vine had said something before about the commitment to that accent. And obviously uh, Jamie's got sort of Greek heritage. It's not come out of nowhere. Yeah. But the commitment to that accent, it's it's quite old so it's quite anachronistic in in the sense that it, there's a little bit of there's a bit of stavros jerry vine bingo as martin says because i always mention it on oh. every show um, <laughs> there is i mean obviously harry enfield was not greek or has not or ha- never yeah. has been greek as far as i know um so now that character which i absolutely loved stavros and i loved friday friday night live and saturday live um, yeah but I think that might that would probably be too much to take. Whereas Jamie can sort of do it because of um, you know Natasha as well because of uh, of their heritage. I think it, it makes it a bit easier. But it's so full on that you know it is it, it's, it's understandable. There's like um, it I, I think it would feel like too broad 
it's certainly broader than a lot of um, a lot of comedies uh, that have that come out in recent years. But they, they it just played so well. I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's because there's real charm and um, there's there's an innocence to it, and you you really sort of root for these idiots that just keep on tripping up and and keep on failing to succeed. But they, they there's so much love in the program. Um, Do you think he's done more for the popularity of Letting's agents than could possibly be? Imagined? Oh. <laughs> I still feel terribly about Foxtons, and uh, that's something that will never pass me. But they, they. Um... Well, well, this is okay. That's interesting. And you can want, and you, you know, if you feel that, and then right, okay, okay. But you can still watch well, it. The little guys, perhaps. Yeah. Maybe it's a rebranding opportunity for them. Because I think there is an issue. There is an issue with um, with that sort of thing. I mean, there was. Uh, I think one of Phoebe. Phoebe Waller-Bridge's first sitcom was uh, about um, uh, tenants of vacant property. Uh, and I, yeah. I find that hard watch for, for <laughs> a number of reasons. Um, and But, you know, I'm sure if we go back to it now, I could probably take something out of it. And I'm sh- but there must be people who have um, issues with letting stations that might actually oh, find yeah. that a bit of a hurdle to get through, you know. Not indulging this idea that they're relatable normal people no way but then there is something i suppose there is something sort of grotesque about the staff character that also as well as like you might be rooting for him but it's also sort of something so sort of crazy and and maybe that's also helpful in terms of like if you've got maybe that's helpful to get over your sort of lettings agent angst i don't know <laughs> yeah, I'd say if you, if you've got a problem, uh, a phobia of letting agents, then this is this could be the cure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's good. Well, three series <laughs> as well. I mean, that speaks for itself, doesn't it? Really. And the, well, and the, oh yeah, and, and they the they got a handful of BAFTAs as well. I think in the last outing, um, and just the the talent throughout. It's um, a mix of people that have become more well known. Obviously, Jamie has done a bunch of. Uh, films now and Natasha it's probably best known for like what we oh, do in God, the shadows yeah, that's right. um, but then like uh, Kyle who plays Dean he's uh, a friend of mine and we were in an improv show together Battle Axe um, and it, like, he's you know leading ghosts as well and all, all this wow. has sort of happened I think over the last yeah sort of three or four years and it's also been a long time coming because I think the first black that came out uh, for staff was yeah yeah it is yeah it is quite well six or seven years ago. Because Jamie, I mean, Jamie was doing really well in uh, you know in Edinburgh and and but and then the Blap and but yeah you're right I mean but it has you know it has turned out into it has really turned into a success story which is which is great you know I mean because there aren't that many British comedy sitcom success stories necessarily. Um, no, I mean really. not lately. Unfortunately, no. I mean, in in a sort of global sense, I don't know if this is making it across the uh, the across to the, the other side of the pond. Um, I think they'd probably stumble over understanding what a, a, you know a flat yeah. is, what letting it be. Um, I don't know. What what would how would you translate Stafflet's flats? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, they're rent. I mean, it's all sort of, you know, if you're thinking about New York, it's all sort of rent control still and, and what have you. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Um, I mean, they're, they're, real estate is is is. You know, I mean, I'm sure that maybe they would actually just go. They just transfer it from the lettings department into the sales department, and then they'll be fine. Oh yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Okay, well that's Stafflet's flats. Now let's. Let's crunch into your uh, other tweets here now. Well, let's have a, oh goodness me! Right, because um, we've done two comedy-related one. Let's go. To, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying it's not comedy, but let's go. <coughs> let's go into uh, the talk radio. Oh goodness me, the cement mixer, as it were. So this is um, this talk radio's tweeting out the clip from um, what's Mike? So it's Mike Graham, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so Mike Graham, talk radio host, his interview with uh, Insulate Britain or Inculate Britain. Uh, Insulate Britain spokesman Cameron last less than a minute. So they tweeted the clip, so I think we're okay to play it. And let's play it and uh, dig in properly from the beginning. Morning, Mike. Oh, hello. 
What are you glued to, Cameron? Uh, just to your screen, unfortunately. Unfortunately? What do you do for a living, well, Cameron? I'm a carpenter. A carpenter, right. So how safe is that for the climate? Well, I work with timber, which is a much more sustainable material rather than concrete. I also so you work with trees that have been cut down then, don't you? It's a sustainable building practice. How is it sustainable if you're killing trees? Because it's regenerative, you can grow trees. Right. Well, you can, you can grow all sorts of things, can't you? Well, you can't grow concrete. You can. Oh. See you, Cameron. Cheerio. Oh, my Lord. That was Cameron. Uh, he grows trees and then cuts them down and then makes things from them. Brilliant. Marvellous. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, oh God. It's, that, it's just the pause, the silence, that, that moment right there. But, oh. I mean, it's actually a really sort of beautifully um, honed comedy scene in itself. It's self-honing. Yeah. <laughs> a self-honing <laughs> sketch about regenerative sure. products. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. It's ridiculous. There's also this whole sort of... Um, the idea to walk away from that, the, the absolute brass balls on this guy, to be like, well, I looked pretty good in that situation <laughs> they came back the next day and had um so it's uh, jeremy kyle's got a show on talk radio and then yeah. he interviewed mike graham the following day about uh about what happened uh, a much longer interview than that one obviously and um it's and i can't remember what research he'd done about concrete or or whatever i mean i just to be honest i don't think anyone was listening at that point um, yeah. It's a bit of a weird one because uh, I mean I saw Simon Evans tweet about it. It's like, gosh, I've got I've actually had my first inkling of of sympathy for uh, Insulate Britain. I didn't see that coming because um, <laughs> I do think that Insulate Britain have united so many strands of thought against them across the political spectrum. Um, so actually, yeah. one of my reactions was, well, I you know this is a bit weird. Really, this was like the pen. It wasn't the pendulum swinging in the other direction, but it was a bit like. Look, these guys have already shot themselves in the foot. So why, why, why do you need to do shock? Why, why do you need to go shock jock on them? Yeah. Uh, I, well, and I will. What, the other thing I should mention is that. So this was. This feels like ages ago now, but I think it was like Tuesday last week, wasn't it? Yeah. And then on Thursday or Friday, um, again on Jeremy Vine, but that show's being looked after by Claudia uh, Claudia Liza Van der. Has she changed names? I think she used to be Claudia Liza Armour. She's Channel Five news anchor, and she uh, stepped in for Jeremy Vine last week, and she was fantastic. And she had Cameron on her show, uh, and um, I can't remember who the guests were, but she had Cameron on her show, and it was a masterclass. Where I mean, it, you know, it could not have been more different to, really? to the Mike Graham interview, and she gave uh, Cameron sort of cut him some slap. I mean, she sort of slapped him down when he started shouting, because he did actually start shouting at one oh, point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it totally went out the other wi the window the other way. And then yeah. when he sort of calmed down and everything was back on track, she gave him enough time and space to say, if you, say some things that were kind of taken on board a bit more sympathetically, uh, mm. because Mike Parry was actually on the panel. He was quite, he's quite a talk radio kind of mould of person. Yeah. Um, but he also, you know, he, he did, she, you know, he did sort of falter as well under her very sort of uh, scrutiny. And it just, just the comparison is wild, really. But that's, I guess that's yeah. the media channel. I mean, that's what Talk Radio won, I guess, don't they? Well, it's, I suppose, and I think the point that um, Mike Graham made afterwards was that, um, if if you're willing to, it sort of doesn't matter how foolish he may have looked to large swathes of people, if it meant that the clip got lots of likes. Um, however, I, I I can't really believe that that was his intention. He thought, oh, I'm playing the game. Um, yeah, it's it's just sort of wild that um, people that are clearly so well media trained. Uh, just continue to do these things. 
I mean, I just, you know, I think it gets to the point where he probably, look, he probably doesn't sort of massively care too much, and he knows that yeah. he was the butt of the, yeah. the joke and all the rest of it, but, you know, he has, it has got, it has sort of served as clickbait to do what clickbait's supposed to do, and it's got retweeted oh, yeah. and shared time. But it does sort of play to that question, is there such a thing as a bad publicity? Because um, this... You know, I mean, who knows? You're right. This happened on uh, what the 26th. So, yeah, what was that Tuesday? I don't know. It already feels like it was a long time ago, under a week. Yeah. Um, so it it'll sort of rattle around in your head a bit. But is it a you know cat bin lady moment? Probably not. Probably not big enough to <laughs> I mean, to, to yeah. stay in the great echelon of um internet memes i mean but it'll yeah. stick around it, people can roll it out whenever they uh, want to try and uh, undermine it well i mean yeah that's a really good point because i think one of the reasons why it probably feels like it was so long ago is because everyone's had their sort of take on this so you've now i've yeah, had reams yeah. and reams of sort of so i didn't do i didn't actually retweet much about this on it's good that we're talking about it because i didn't really do anything on the timeline for let's kill twitter because it was just so much and it's like okay Concrete, I mean the concrete jungle, all that kind of thing. It's great, though. Yeah. You know, look at look at what this tiny concrete acorn did in Coventry. But you know, it's yeah. formed this bus shelter and all the rest of it. But it actually gets to a point where you've seen so much of that, and you have to sort You're of like, mentally distance yourself. Absolutely, it's like um, in in improv when you get a suggestion or someone hears like that sort of like a fantastic turn of phrase and then everyone sort of keeps on jumping in to sort of do a new scene and throw their ideas in after a while you just think let's let's get a new source the bell, material. The bell has to ring and we have to move on yeah, yeah. but it, it, i mean i suppose uh, you know i mean it, in terms of actually it was a moment of like it had been relentlessly negative coverage for insulate britain and it was almost kind of i don't know it was weird in a way because I just think if the narrative is kind of uh, self-interested, but if the narrative was sufficiently going to push, stop them from doing this disruptive stuff, that's why I wanted personally because I don't. Enough people have said that they don't agree with their tactics at times. You I mean Ash Sarkar yeah. said it on Jeremy Vine's show. Uh, there's plenty of sort of left to centre pundits have said it. So this peed me right off actually. <laughs> You're like, oh. I'm thinking more with my sort of political hat than my current affair than my comedy hat on this one, really. Right. But I don't know, <laughs> but um, you know, it was a moment, and it absolutely. I'm really glad that you've uh, you've singled it out. Um, yeah. Now let's, let's just catch up with Martin's tweeting away. Uh, credit to Cameron for one of the all-time great pauses. Yeah, his comedy. So Cameron's comedy timing actually on that was uh, fantastic. I mean, he didn't. It didn't start well when he said that, oh, I'm looking at your face, unfortunately. Uh, oh, yeah. That was a little stumble out the gate. I think that's kind of, that was enough to sort of uh, think, well, I'll co- in that case, if you don't like my face, then concrete's a real thing. Concrete's a thing that grows, basically. Yeah, the gloves are off. The gloves are off. I'm going to say some mad <laughs> shit. Now. And you're going to deal with it. So you have now, so the last two, actually, let's do Alistair, because there's actually quite a lot to dig down, <coughs> dig down in on this one. So I've tried to make yeah. enough time so that we don't, um, you know. So Alistair Beckett-King, who uh, we, we love on the show, we featured, uh, we talked about him a little bit with Matt Hyten, and we've had his tweets on the show before, inevitably. Um, uh, so his tweet, Here, here's a little thought on how I reckon we're getting offence in comedy wrong. It's not really about you about who you offended it's about who you didn't offend and it's about who laughs and how they laugh and then just to uh right under just underscore this and illustrate this a bit here's a joke i used to do when you tell people you don't eat meat they either bring up bacon or hitler they're two they're the two worst things about being vegetarian also the two worst things to bring to a bar mitzvah his joke uh, so then he says, I can tell you that this joke is definitely moderately funny because I've heard enough people laugh at it. I've also heard more than, more than one Jewish person tell me that they they don't find it offensive, but I stopped doing it. I started to notice a certain type of laughter, a laughter that's slightly too performed, a her 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 or an ooh or an oof. I recognised it. It's the way people laugh at bullying. We lefties often say punching down isn't funny, which is unfortunately not true. Bullying is funny, just not for the victims. 
But it's a funny joke. Depend, defends you against the charge of not being funny, not a charge of bullying. Which I think, if I leave it there, I've pretty much got the essence of it. It's obviously follow mm-hmm. the rest of the, the feed. And it's all fascinating because it's, it's obviously some self-policing... It, it, it's a kind of credo for self-policing that he's advocating here. And I understand mm-hmm. why he's doing that. Um, but that means you have to make a judgment on your potential audience... Um, but but you're a performer, Brendan. You 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 tell me what you think. Um, I, I, I it occurred to me um, to sort of mention this because I I found it fascinating. I thought it was very well articulated. I think um, <clears throat> I think Alistair's a fantastic comedian. I mean, certainly during lockdown, his videos have just been yeah, oh yeah, such a high quality and such a great hit rate. Just. I mean, the guy deserves a TV show, for sure. I mean, they could just probably give him some money and he could do all of the bits, the <laughs> okay. editing and well, yeah, himself. Yeah, absolutely. He's mastered so many skills now, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this sort of occurred to me. I think uh, because uh, I watched the... Um, so Dave Chappelle's latest special uh, on Netflix last night, and I'm a huge... Uh, Chappelle fan I've always yeah I I, I mean his stand up is great his um, his sketch show mm. brilliant as well and he's sort of consistently been I think he's an offensive comedian like that he that's like partly what he trades in um, but he's also kind of political and tends to have I think he's quite clever with it um, sort of in the same way that uh, I don't know, Frankie Boyle has been accused of being an offensive comedian, but I, I, I feel like he, more often than not, he is sort of quite clever with it as well. However, the most recent special, um, The Closer, well, actually, I, th- I think Sticks and Stones as well started some, um, well, it started definitely some trouble. There was, there was discontent and... Um, calls of um i don't know i i suppose it was transphobia is the main one but the it, it's caused offense uh and harm to the lgbtq community um well it certainly prompted one uh, netflix employee to sort of um to sort of make their their feelings known and there were sort of yeah. demos sort of for an anti, and, and there's been a, and then there was a Hannah, you know, there was a bit of a Hannah Gadsby ding dong. Initially, she was uh, having a go at Netflix for bringing her into the value judgment they were making, defending Chappelle, the show right. Chappelle thing, and then, and then I think Chappelle had to dig at her. I've not seen the clothes yet. I, I we did, did come up the other week, and I still haven't seen that. It's bad. I've got to do my homework. Um, yeah, I mean that would, well, it, it, from what Alice is saying, that that. He would fail the ABK test, though, wouldn't he? The ABK test. <laughs> um, yeah, per- perhaps. I think. I think perhaps it would. It's when people sort of that idea that the people rallying to defend him are less interested in the quality of his stand-up and more in actually using it as a stick to be a marginalised group. I, uh, I mean, here's the thing. I'm a straight white guy, so it's I don't. It's not for me to decide what what's transphobic. Um, but for what it's worth, I, it didn't feel. It doesn't feel that you know, being, being having followed Dave Chappelle's work, it doesn't feel on brand for him to. Um, to sort of care, to be careless and vicious in his attacks, even if he is offensive and does use. Um, but you, you didn't get that from the closer, though. You didn't give necessarily. I, 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 well, the point that he explicitly makes is that um, he's he's using or any any sort of trans joke that um, that would be. Um, seen as punching down uh is not about punching down it's about uh highlighting the 
racial aspect that everything he does is about race and um when he's doing a joke about uh trans well the trans community um and he sort of references all the different times all the different things that have been flagged up that it's about a white person and the the white response mm. the the point where they trade in their minority card and become a white person again um which again as as a white person i'm like well, I, it, i'm going to stay out of this conversation mm. uh, but i think it's it's important that it happens obviously um i mean I, i'm just interested in sort of uh, obviously Steve's joke, but i'm interested in in what Alistair's saying here in terms of how it's different i know that so you know you know you're obviously not stand up brendan and, and, and your mm. your craft is is otherwise but it's um you know scripted and what have you but you see a lot of comedy clearly and, and you're a comedy fan so Oh yeah, and if if the audience, if it was something that you you roll out and you get a feel for what the response mm. is, and if you think, oh, I'm I'm drawing the the attention and appreciation of a crowd that I really wouldn't otherwise be hoping to, then that's probably a good enough yeah. reason to sort of maybe change. It's like, who are you? What do you want to do? I mean. I know Stuart Lee, um, I think might have also been on that same thread, but um, his sort of evaluation of um, sometimes uh, Al Murray when he does the pub landlord, mm. his crowd, or I mean, I, even like the Beastie Boys, when they first uh, came out and did Fight for Your Right to Party, they were doing it kind of as a parody, uh, but they just got a load of frat bros come into their shows, so they which they didn't want at all. They wanted to sort of distance themselves from that world. Um, I bet they would have been great stand-ups, actually, those guys. But anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they're, too, they're too talented in, in... I mean, they've got enough to keep them busy. Um, uh, all all of their music videos are hilarious as yeah, well. So true. you can they, tell they, uh, yeah. they have strong comedy bones. That's very true. So you also picked out a, another very strong viral video uh comedian is where's rosie gone uh but she was making a very definite this is one of not one of her viral videos it's just making a no. very definite yeah. point friendly reminder mm. rosie tweets uh friendly reminder that if you don't like me or my work you can just mute, mute me or you don't have to tell me yeah <laughs> this, uh, um, yeah strike a uh a bone a, a res resonate with you i should say well, yeah, this is uh, just one of those things. I mean, we're talking about Twitter, we're talking about social media, and this is one of the elements uh, that I, I don't know that the social etiquette on in terms of uh, online versus real life is so massively skewed. People feel that you can just say whatever you want, tag the person in it, um, like that's an acceptable way to behave. Mm. And it's certainly like it's not it's not okay. And Rosie's a friend of mine, and I've loved um watching her videos, which she you know puts so much time and effort into, and they're so good, and she's built this huge following now um but it's because what she does is political and satirical. Yeah. You know, it's right on the edge and it draws the ire of, uh, well, a lot of people often on, on both sides. Yeah, so, well, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it's an interesting because I'm thinking about stand-up gigs where, you know, the comedian would say something uh, and, you know, what the comedian wants to do is they want that that opinion to rest. They want people to accept it because it's part of the show and not it's not usually as a conversation opener. And obviously there are sometimes. They're always commit. They're always audience members at comedy gigs that always think it's a conversation and always kind of you know want to get involved. And I think yeah. social media sort of um, is uh, actually I'll pick up what Martin's saying in a minute. But uh, social media is, is is kind of the gloves are off in that sense. Yes, people's uh, uh, opinions or personalities are different online. They are more unfiltered and unfettered, uh, especially if they're an, an anonymous bot. Um, yeah. But it's kind of 
like it's tricky if you're towing that line if you, you are sort of making a political point and i think it really depends on the responses i mean if if, if you don't like somebody's work and you are just sort of heckling with the uh, classic your shit it's um you're you're not really helping on, on either sense you're not helping to make your you just you're clearly disagreeing with it but you're not actually making a counterpoint and you're just making yourself a bit mad so yeah i mean i can understand why she would say well listen you you know mm. you can have a happier time if you if you just mute me uh let's just see what martin said so i understand rosie's sentiment but aren't we in danger in danger of cancelling any and all negative feedback and i think that's sort of yeah i mean i think that's what i'm if someone has a negative feedback i and I, w- I would argue that it's it's very different to the uh alistair uh, beckett king one which is understandable i think if um you know jokes have been made or any sort of statement has been made and um it has like real world impact if it's causing um you know i i suppose more danger to marginalized groups or anything totally uh, apologize to people watching on the live stream there we just had a, a slight glitch uh there but uh yeah sorry so yeah yeah i, I see what you're saying there um and it's a, it's a fine line um it's again i think it's obviously it's, it's all in the approach really and it's if there is something constructive in that criticism i think that is that is helpful yeah yeah it is absolutely the the way that you approach it and um i don't know there's also this i I just feel like there needs to be a a handbook to the internet (laughs) and on day one you sort of read it and you go oh yeah basic tenets of um of how to interact with people for your own you know, protection as well, because things can turn on 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 a, on a penny, and you can be uh, the one that that receives a lot of abuse. Even if you're not like a comedian, even if you don't have a big presence, you know, sometimes people have sent a tweet and it's blown up, and suddenly they're being ridiculed from every part of the uh, of the world. So maybe maybe if we just uh, get a few people together. Got together a little handbook. A handbook for the internet. internet. Wow, that is yeah. that's ambitious. Let's well, that's Twitter. quite a note to end on, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Let's Kill Twitter uh, etiquette guide, uh, yeah. or something like that. Well, we're certainly open to any uh, any marketing merchandise suggestions. Um, so, look, Ben, thank you so much. I mean, uh, obviously, could have talked about Friends all night and the Gun and Gunter, obviously, and uh, uh, we didn't even get round to talking uh, about. Uh, the Buffy show. Although, do if you quickly want to mention that because there are plans for that to come in in the spring, aren't there? Absolutely, I'll do the quick pitch. It's called Buffy Revamped, and it is uh, all seven seasons of the hit uh, comedy drama Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as told through the eyes of Spike. I'm really getting the mileage out of this peroxide. I know. I know. <laughs> Um, we, we did first few shows at King's Head uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and it'll be back um, in springtime, uh, which will be a lot of fun. And then hopefully at Edinburgh Fringe as well. Oh, but I'll, if you, you can follow me at yes. Not Murphy, and uh, you yeah. can you can find out all all about the things. I'm, oh, look, there I am. There you are. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, brilliant. Well, just hang back uh, and we'll have a quick chat in the green room and I'll just sign off uh, with uh, the viewers. Um, well, thanks for watching. Sorry about there was a little glitch at the end there. I don't know why. I'm not quite sure what's uh, going on with my faculties in the last few weeks. There's usually one button that I may not have pressed for some reason. I've got some sort of bizarre uh, button blindness, but there you go. Um, but uh, we will be back. We're hoping to be back next week. And Sajila Kershi, my co-host, will be back, which I'm very excited about. She'll be gutted to miss tonight because she's a huge Friends fan. Um, and also, we are we're going to go back to our two guest, two host format. So your whole screen will be filled with talent. Um, that's the idea, anyway. Uh, I don't have exact uh, details of all the guests yet, but obviously they will be pumped out on our Twitter feed. Goes back to Twitter feed. Uh, so please do follow us at LKT Zoom. Please follow, follow Brendan at Not Murphy as well. Um, if you uh, 
want to go to our, what is it called, the Buy Me A Coffee site, we've set up a little donations page there where you can uh, donate for our troubles, um, which would be great. You know, we've had a few tech uh, expenses, believe it or not, over the year we've been streaming. Um, yeah, check us out on YouTube. As I say, all the previous shows and clips will be there. And uh, we look forward to catching you next time. So, uh, yeah, we'll just both say a goodbye. Thanks for watching, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to the show. Please do check out the other podcasts in the series. If you go to our website, www.letskilltwitter.com, you'll find all our previous shows listed and you can find links to the YouTube versions as well as audio files. If you'd like to support our work, you can do via buymeacoffee.com. If you go to their website, you'll find a Let's Kill Twitter page set up for donations. But anything you can do is much appreciated. A like, a follow, a recommendation to a friend, it all counts. Once again, thanks for listening. We hope to be in your ears again very soon.